Anyway, as I was saying, it is my pleasure to uh, get to kick off our series going into the Christmas season. And uh, as we've already alluded, we're titling it, Jesus is blank. Uh, We want this to be a time for us to just come in as a church and step back and look at just what the subject of Christmas really is, which is Jesus. Um, We want to spend some time looking each week in December at what this birth and and who Jesus is that happened 2,000 years ago and how that affects us today. The truths of the Christmas season, uh, which can honestly feel just a little bit too familiar, like something that we've heard over and over, year after year, they can tend to lose their meaning, even for us as Christians sometimes. Uh, We forget that this season is about God keeping his promises to us, and that he hadn't forgotten us, and that he will go to extreme lengths to rescue his children. I pray that we're able to slow down this season and look at Christmas with a new under this year, that we can remember that this day and this baby has changed everything for us. And so, if you will, open up your Bibles to Luke 2 and uh, go ahead and stand. We'll read through verse 20. Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swollen clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that same night, or that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Let's pray. Oh, you can be seated. Lord, I just pray that uh, we experience the glory of the Lord uh, the way that the shepherds did. I pray that we get to experience the joy that the angels had, that they could not contain uh, at the birth of this, of this baby. That the birth of Jesus coming true uh, was a world-altering event, an eternity-changing uh, thing that happened at a point in time. I pray that this morning, uh, these Truths that we have heard over and over will have new life and breathe new life into us 
um, into the real things that were going on uh, in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I realize that this is not a new passage for most of us here today. Um, I think it's like in one of the Home Alone movies. But uh, it's even in every nativity scene that you've ever seen. And so, But this story is written for a very specific purpose at a very specific time. This is part of Luke's account of Jesus' life that he's writing for uh, a man named Theophilus. We don't know a ton about Theophilus except for the fact that Luke spent a lot of time carefully documenting eyewitness accounts and uh, just historical evidence of Jesus' life and his teachings so that Theophilus could be convinced that what he had heard about Jesus was true. That's why this passage starts out with such detailed information about who the emperor was and the political events of the time and uh, the specific regions and cities that uh, David's family was from and where they were traveling. Luke was acting as a historical, uh, as a historian, documenting the life of a true historical figure. However, it's also a historical figure that had a birth and a life unlike anyone else in history. This passage lays out events surrounding Jesus' birth and even some of the implications that it might have for the whole planet. So, what I want to lean into this morning, specifically, my Jesus is blank, is the birth announcement of Jesus as Savior. To a group of shepherds out in the middle of the shepherd, uh, out in the middle of the pastures in the middle of the night. So, what does it mean that Jesus is Savior? We have these angels show up and proclaim, uh, "Christ the Savior has been born. A Savior has been born." What did it mean for the shepherds who heard it first? I think it's helpful to look back and see that what they probably would have first honed in on was the announcement of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. My first point is that Jesus is the fulfillment of a promise that is thousands of years old. And so the idea of a Christ or a Messiah would have been very familiar to any Israelite of that time. There were some big expectations of, uh, of what the Christ who had been promised was going to do, what he would be for generations. Basically, since King David's reign had ended, Israel had been looking for another great king who's going to take the throne and lead their nation once again. Since the time of David, the nation, however, had been split up. They'd been defeated in war after war. Uh, They had been kicked out of their land into exile. They were allowed to come back, but only under the rule of other nations. And then finally, at this point in this story, they're under the tight reign of the empire of Rome. So, when an Israelite in those times would have heard about a Christ coming, they had a pretty clear picture of what that was supposed to look like. Uh, Since Genesis, they had had... uh, prophecies telling them what to look for in the coming Christ. Some of those examples are, they were to look for the one who was going to come and crush the head of the serpent and free humanity from their great spiritual enemy. Uh, He was supposed to come from the lineage of David, their greatest king. Uh, He would be here to unify the nation of Israel. He was going to bring destruction upon the enemies of the nation and rule as their king. He'd be a world-dominating power that would once again put Israel back on the map. There are tons of others, plenty of others to pull from, but the final one I want to read from Jeremiah 31. It's where he says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, 
from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God promises to bring his people back to him. So yes, this was a political Christ that they were expecting, but it's also a spiritual revival that they were expecting. Um, They would all know the Lord from the least of them to the greatest. All All of Israel finally united back to their God. But it had been about 400 years since the last words in the Old Testament and this point in this story right here. Uh, it had been about that long since God had spoken through any major prophet. And, uh, and so at this point, it would have felt like some sort of legend or some sort of myth that there was going to be this great warrior that was going to swoop in and unite Israel and gather everyone together in some great battle and win some great victory against the mighty empire of Rome. Uh, That was great in theory, but honestly, it probably felt very unlikely to happen at this point. Um, It had been about 400 years since they had a reminder from God that he planned on keeping his promises. Um, It seems like it could have been been very easy to just be lulled into going about life as if there was no hope. Sure, you have the religious leaders who really bought in to the whole concept, uh, followed all the traditions, and held up all the laws. But uh, for the average guy, this prophecy of a coming Messiah probably wouldn't affect the way that you lived your day-to-day life. Um, But on this day, all of that changed. The truth of this myth or this legend is now blinding a group of shepherds in the middle of the night. If you look at verse 9, Luke 2, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy uh, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will f- uh, find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God on the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I love how this plays out for the shepherds. They're just going about their lives, doing their jobs. I'm sure the farthest thing from their mind was meeting the Son of God that day. But now, this kind of vague concept of uh, God coming down to send a king uh, couldn't be ignored. Something that really didn't matter to them moments before was now the most important thing that they had ever heard. It was something that couldn't be ignored. They were immediately compelled into action. If you remember, they looked at themselves, looked at each other and said, we've got to go see this. We've got to see this Savior that the angels couldn't contain their joy about. Glory to God on the highest. They got to go see this baby face-to-face that would change the whole world. They didn't just, uh, at this point, they didn't just realize that This was just good news for the world or for the nation of Israel as a whole. But this was actually good news to them personally and intimately. To them and to people just like them. Jesus' plan for salvation is one that affects the whole planet and ultimately will usher in all these promises and the new kingdom that have been prophesied. But it's also one that changes individuals' lives just like you and just like me. This takes me to my next point. Jesus is a real Savior who came to save real people right where they're at. It's been about, so that was a 400-year gap. This has been a 2,000-year gap from the last words in the Bible to where you and I are sitting right now. Um, And it's 
a concern of mine and an experience of mine sometimes that this whole idea of Jesus can be more of a concept or a theory or, or just a story that we talk about from time to time. But, um, you know, the truth is that he is a real person that saves real people today. Uh, ultimately, that's what we're all desperate for. I don't care who you are in this room, but at your very core, what you need more than anything else is for Jesus to meet you and save you where you're at, whether you think you need saving or not. Um, I'm not sure if this is comforting to you or scary, but just this week we had a Gospel Communities Leaders meeting, and uh, you'd think that would be a group of folks that at least halfway have it all together. But um, we honestly just shared a sweet time of just being very honest with where we are and where we're struggling, uh, just the real stuff in our lives where uh, things were getting difficult. And so we shared tears, we laid hands on each other, prayed for each other, and we're really just desperate before God to be rescued from these things. Um, the crazy thing is most of these things weren't big, like, life-shaking events. They were just the, the regular challenges in our lives that everyone faces that can so easily lead us to feeling hopeless and alone. Um, so whether you're the nation of Israel or some shepherds out in the middle of the pastures or the leader in your church, maybe you're just hearing this for the first time, you are desperate for this Savior, this baby, <laughs> What the angels and the shepherds were so excited about that night was that this story that they had been hearing for so long was unfolding right in front of them. Jesus was becoming real, and they could experience the impact that this was having on them personally. The coming Messiah actually changes their personal story, not just some big, vague storyline. So years later, after Jesus grows up and is uh, beginning his ministry, we get to see where Jesus places himself inside of the story. What Jesus says the Messiah is here to do. Uh, in his first sermon back in his hometown of, uh, of Nazareth, Jesus stands in the synagogue and reads from the prophet Isaiah. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He sat down and told everyone there, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he laid out for them what kind of Savior they are, expect, they are to expect him to be. So we get to read on and see how this plays itself out in Jesus' life. We see Jesus bring real healing through his power. He wanted to bring the true healing of God's power to God's people. Uh, From the daughter of one of the great religious leaders who uh, he literally raised from the dead, or to literally bringing sight to the blind of a blind beggar, just like the prophecy had said in Isaiah. Everywhere he went, he was proclaiming good news to the poor and to the marginalized. It was expected that the the Messiah, the Christ, was going to be a great religious leader inside of the religious institutions of the time. But Jesus did much of his teaching actually out in the streets and uh, with the people. Honestly, a lot of those people wouldn't have even been allowed inside the synagogue. And so uh, he was constantly being critiqued for who he associated with. In fact, they gave him the name uh, Friend of Sinners. That was supposed to be an insult. uh, He would respond typically with some sort of teaching or a story that would make the point that his job here was to seek and to save the lost. And that heaven rejoiced at every sinner who repents. He also said that he was here to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor. 
We don't talk a whole lot about that, but that would have referenced this concept of uh, the dawn of God's new age when all things were being made new. And so this had a spiritual implication for God's people where he was going to bring um, forgiveness and salvation to all, all the people. Uh, and so and I don't know how much you've followed the history of Israel, but that was always a challenge. They were always uh, straying away from, their, from the Lord, and, and he was going to finally bring them back. <clears throat> finally here, Jesus is going to proclaim liberty to the captives and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Ever since the original sin back in the garden, every person ever born has been uh, born a captive to sin. They've been born a captive to sin and to the brokenness of a world that's been ravaged by it. Jesus' assurance to us here is that he came to finally set us free. What the commandments couldn't do for God's people, what a king couldn't accomplish for Israel, and what the little behavior modifications that we try to do and what, what they can't pull off, Jesus has. He was born as a baby and raised as a kid by human parents uh, in this broken world, and so he is fully aware of uh, the consequences of this world that we live in. He knows very well the grief that we deal with and what that's like to lose someone close. He had witnessed the results of poverty. He would witnessed the results of uh, emptiness that can be brought on by wealth. <laughs> um, he had been face-to-face with anxiety and what, the, what happens when the fear of the unknown becomes a controlling factor in your life. And he knew people who had experienced spiritual burnout, where they had put their hope and their trust on a spiritual institution that left them feeling empty and their deepest needs unmet. He spent his whole ministry with people gripped by sin. He knew that there was nothing that we could do on our own to free us, and there was nothing that we could do to free ourselves from those patterns that we fall into over and over again of failure after failure after failure. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross. He saw that uh, our brokenness and uh, that there is a price to pay for that. In order for our liberty to be secure, there had to be a debt paid. And so, uh, <clears throat> great. <laughs> I thought Hayden's message last week was awesome. It, it pointed us back to the rest that we have in Jesus and uh, and how Sabbath can be a time to just remind us of this ultimate rest that we have in him. Knowing that Jesus took on the payment that we owe, where we are always fighting and clawing to get things done on our own, uh, he took on the payment that we owe, the one that we deserve to pay. But yet, he put it on his shoulders and allowed himself to be on the cross, along with all of those burdens. So when Jesus came as a Savior, he came to save us from what we actually deserve. Uh, He came... Even greater, he didn't stay dead. He, he came to bring us a new life, to be with us. And I mean that. That's a real new life. Uh, if your faith is in Jesus, I don't care what others think about you. I don't care what you think about you. The truth is, is that you have been set free. Because of this baby being born and the work, uh, and the work on the cross, we have, we've been freed uh, just from this, this sin. I, gosh, Broke down in worship. I mean, that, that was so true. Break every chain. That's what this whole season is about. He's come to break every chain. 
we went from being enemies of God to God's adopted children. Uh, We went from being spiritually delinquent with God to being seen through the lens of grace where God is our Father and He sees us and when He does, He can smile with us with the same smile that He has towards Jesus. That's hard to believe. This is what the angels were so excited about that night. Uh, The multitude of the heavenly hosts show up and they can't help but burst out singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. God's great plan of undoing what was done in the garden was beginning to be undone. They had been waiting a long time to see this. And I pray that we respond just like the shepherds who, after hearing this, look at each other and say, we've got to go see this Savior. So as we wrap up, my last point is, let's go see this Savior who's come. I hope this season can be one where we just take some time to look at Jesus, our Savior. And there'll certainly be situations and circumstances that crop up where we'll be tempted to look at those and focus on those things instead. But I pray that we take those things to Jesus We can take our anxiety, our busyness, our hurt, our guilt, and even our failures to the one that came to save us. And we can trust that he can give us joy even in these moments, joy like the shepherds had. Um, I don't want to tell you what to do, but one of my favorite things uh, to dig deeper into that stuff is just spend time journaling, Uh, especially first starting out. It's kind of weird, just writing down. Uh, what's going on, but somehow getting my feelings out on paper uh, just helps me to really dig into what's going on in my soul. But my challenge is uh, don't stop there. Don't stop at just finding out what's going on in your heart, but we need to take that list to the Savior. We need to take that to Him and talk to Him, listen to Him. Uh, We need to look for the places in Jesus' life where He communicates that this is exactly what He showed up to to handle. This is exactly what he's come to do to save us from stuff just like that, whatever it is that you're experiencing. I didn't know that we were doing the uh, Wednesdays, but I mean, what an awesome experience and what an awesome time to just get together, be alone, unplug from just the regular stuff going on for the day, and bring our daily struggles before the Father. Bring them to the altar and see what Jesus is able to accomplish. That's why he left heaven. He was there. He could have stayed, but yet he left and came to us to seek us out, to save us from these things that are hurting us. We can be honest with Jesus about that stuff and and know that he's come to save us. And so when we do, uh, I have faith that we can join with the shepherds. And as it says, uh, we can be glorifying and praising God for all that we have seen and heard him do. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much that uh, you have pursued us. You have moved heaven and earth to um, come. You don't fear our brokenness. You don't ignore it. Um, You hear us when we weep. Um, You know exactly what's going on in our hearts, even though we might not. But God, I pray and, and I'm excited about the fact that I can proudly say to my friends that um, you have come to feel, to, 
to heal all of that. You have come to proclaim victory over all that. That you didn't come just as an idea, but you came as a real person and a real human being, and you have met our needs right where they are. And um, so I pray this morning as we uh, continue out this service, and I pray in this season that when we hear the truths of Christmas, that we don't just brush them off as another time that we've heard of this nativity scene, but we can stand in wonder and stand being amazed that you have come to be with us. So let the truth of Jesus reign true for us personally in each one of our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.